Welcome back to another episode of Kentucky Daily. I'm your host today, Derek Terry, and we have a special signing day episode. Um, this is going to be recorded on a Tuesday, so one day before uh, the actual early signing period begins. And the reason we wanted to do this is because there are so many storylines to follow, uh, so many things to talk about. And in order to do that, I wanted to bring in my coworker at catspaws.com uh, and 24-7 Sports, Josh Edwards. Josh is actually with us now. How are you doing, man? Doing pretty well, man. Uh, I am very confused about what's going to happen tomorrow, but, uh, you know, it's good and bad because I think it adds a little bit of intrigue, but uh, obviously you'd like to have some stuff pre- prepared ahead of time as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. For my money, from what I remember, and I've been following, you know, I really got into football recruiting when I was still in high school. Probably the first really major uh, UK angle recruiting story I remember was Lamar Dawson. Uh, I mean, I, I remember recruitments before that, but in terms of, uh, in somewhere in my mind, that's that's a, something that sticks out where I really got into football recruiting. And of course, UK was signing just awful classes back then. But Josh, this really does seem to me like so many scenarios could play out on Wednesday that it's honestly kind of hard to even know, you know, how to even maybe evaluate at this point. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, no question. It obviously starts with, uh, Keontae Goodwin, who is crown jewel of this class right now. Um, you know, everybody is curious if he's going to sign with Kentucky, if he's going to sign with Texas A&M, if he's going to sign with Michigan State. I think once we have an idea what's going to happen there, I think that impacts how fans are going to view this class as a whole, right or wrong, because um, he is such a high-profile type player, uh, and he's right in their backyard. He's been committed for several months, so I think his decision is going to set the tone, um, but it's also not going to be a backbreaker one way or another. I mean, there's a way for them to still have a successful signing day, even if Keontae Goodwin ends up signing elsewhere. Yeah, I think it's a good point. That was something I was going to mention if you didn't, is uh, it very much does feel like Goodwin's decision will kind of be even nationally, I mean, this is nationally, it's, it's developed into one of the most, I think, anticipated uh, recruitments just because he took off of official visits. None of those official visits um, went to UK, although he was on UK's campus for every home game, I believe, besides maybe New Mexico State. I don't know if he was there for that one. Um, I'm with you, though. I, I, well, I, I don't know if you explicitly said this, but I don't think it should. It's inevitable that it will for a lot of fans kind of be viewed as a success if he does sign and maybe a, not as not a good signing day if he doesn't sign although I don't think that's should be how it is viewed but I understand with fans especially I think if he commits to Michigan State just because uh you know his it's one thing to lose kids to Alabama uh Clemson Ohio State some of these in-state kids that we've seen go to those schools and have have success it's understandable but even though Michigan State's coming off a great year, historically, they're certainly not on a level of, you know, program like those ones that I just mentioned. So I guess the question most people want to know, Josh, how, how are you leaning on Keontae Gooden here about, I don't know, probably less than 24 hours at this point um, from a decision? Yeah, I'm leaning towards um, him signing elsewhere, honestly, which is not what anybody wants to hear. By no means do I think he's made a final decision, or at least my understanding is that he's not made a final decision. So could he, could he sign with Kentucky Wednesday? Yeah, absolutely. I think 
his relationship with Vince Morrow is very strong um, and has been strong for five years. So that's the, that's the factor that's weighing heavily in Kentucky's favor, but um, there's some other stuff at play, which I've hinted at on our board several times that, you know, has him open to other situations um, and might ultimately pull him elsewhere. So I'm leaning to him signing elsewhere. Uh, but I do not by any stretch of the imagination think that it's a done deal at this point. There's some other situations to follow, actually many other situations to follow, not just one or two. I mean, there are a lot of decisions still to come. Um, last night it was reported by our Auburn website uh, and maybe other places as well that uh, three-star athlete Jacoby Albert, who has been a long-time UK target, he's been on campus a few times, is actually coming off of an official visit over the weekend. Uh, we got the old dreaded uh, parted ways, basically, <laughs> where uh, Auburn's, you know, you can either say Auburn's moving on for him or you can say that Auburn kind of realized that maybe he wasn't going to be signing uh, with Auburn. But Jacoby Albert, I, I'm, I'm of the boat, Josh. I don't want to put words in your mouth. To me, it seems like this is pretty obvious that he's going to be signing with UK tomorrow. Is, is that kind of where you stand? Yeah, that's my understanding as well. I think – um, you know, to kind of set the groundwork for how this came together, um, his high school coach and in general, John Summerall has a great relationship with the high school football coaches in the state of Alabama, which is what made him such an appealing candidate for that Troy head coaching job. So he had Jacoby Albert on campus along with some of his teammates in the summer uh, for an extended unofficial visit. And at the time, the thinking was he wasn't going to make his decision until October. So Kentucky had some time to possibly get him back on campus for an official visit uh, in the fall before he made that decision. Unfortunately, he decided to move forward with his August decision date, and that ultimately led him to Auburn. But Kentucky continued to pursue him. Um, and even when John Summerall took that Troy head coaching job, I was told that Albert intended to follow through with this visit to Kentucky. Uh, as we know, he did that. I was told that it went very well by multiple people close to Albert and within the program. And that held up on Tuesday night um, or Monday night, rather, when we got the news that Auburn, as you said, was quote unquote, parting ways uh, with Jacoby Albert. I watched his highlight tape last night. This is not a player that you part ways with, quite <laughs> frankly. Um, he's a fantastic player. I don't care if you put him on offense. I don't care if you put him on defense. He's just a tremendous athlete and a guy that could possibly be an immediate con contributor. Um, you know, I saw him over the summer at Kentucky's football camps. Uh, the, the offensive coaches, the defensive coaches were fighting over which side of the ball playfully. I mean, it wasn't anything, you know, with animosity, but fighting over which side of the ball he was going to uh, do drills on that particular day. So uh, this is a player that the Kentucky coaches are excited about, have been excited about, and everything that I'm hearing, um, those close to him and within the program suggests that Jacoby Albert will join uh, Kentucky's recruiting class. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. You can, you can shoot it down if you want. To me, I think he's a, I think he's a top five player in this class. I don't care about his ranking. I'm with you. He was a guy that I watched uh, whenever it became, I think he came back for the Tennessee game, right? Wasn't he unofficially visited? Um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. That's 
It, I don't remember which when he came back. It was at a point where his midseason film from a senior year had at least been up. And to me, he to me, I think probably his safety is kind of the way I'm going with it. But I, I would understand if they wanted to get kind of his playmaking ability on offense. It just seems like to me, they've done a better job addressing the wide receiver needs in this class. And we'll, we'll get around to that here in a minute. Whereas the DB recruiting is still kind of up in the air. And that leads me to another guy who visited Kentucky on December the 3rd. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, Davison Igbenison, who is a four-star cornerback uh, or defensive back, I guess uh, I would imagine UK is recruiting him as a corner, who I want to say was the very first player that uh, Mark Stoops and Brad Wyatt went to visit uh, for the in-home visits whenever the dead period was lifted. And then he visited UK officially that weekend. And from what you heard, from what I heard in particular, that that visit went very well. But he's been a long time, kind of Rutgers Ole Miss battle has been perceived to be that way. He just took a visit. His final official visit was to Ole Miss. That is where the crystal ball kind of sits in favor of him. He's, and he, this is a guy, too, I think from UK's end, we've not heard as much about since he visited. So where do you kind of stand on on how that plays out? Do you think there could maybe be a, a surprise tomorrow? I think there's a surprise uh, possibility, of course. Um, you know, we've talked about this at length off the podcast, but we had heard a lot of positive things about where Kentucky stood coming out of that visit. Um, you know, and then he goes on this official visit to Ole Miss, uh, and the momentum is, you know, seemingly going back to the Rebels. Um, it was our Ole Miss 24-7 site, I believe, that reported he was down to Rutgers and Ole Miss. That would surprise me a little bit based on what I had heard coming out of his official visit to Kentucky. Um, but it always felt like it was an uphill battle for this coaching staff from the beginning because going into that in-home visit, we weren't even sure if he was going to take an official visit to Kentucky. They obviously decide, uh, you know, were able to persuade him into taking that visit the coming weekend. He did that. Uh, and that's where we started to hear all this positive news. But the fact that it came together so quickly kind of gives you some, you know, a reason to be a little bit skeptical uh, of what we heard coming out of that visit. But there's just a lot going on now. I don't know if he's trying to create some misdirection or if maybe some people were led astray. I'm not entirely sure, but that's one that I haven't entirely written off to this point. Then the other situation at cornerback, uh, Carlos Nicholson, who's been committed to UK since I think August, maybe September, somewhere in there, um, took an official visit. He's, he's taken a few this fall. I know he went to Florida State, but the one that pretty much matters is Mississippi State. That's where he was last weekend. Uh, I think a lot of confidence um, coming out of the Mississippi State side. So I guess the question is, with another junior college cornerback who just visited UK this past weekend, Zoff Frazier, is that a situation in your mind that if Nicholson flips, Frazier's a part of this class, or is there a scenario where if Nicholson still wants to come to UK, that UK would take both of these guys? I think there's a scenario where Kentucky would take both of them. Uh, as a whole, the defensive back recruiting is one of the strangest, most up in the air, you know, from a number of perspectives, because Early this week, it was reported that Alex Safari was flirting with Cincinnati, the idea of flipping to Cincinnati. Uh, so you obviously would lose a cornerback there. 
We just talked about Davison Igbenison, um, you know, in his recruitment. We are talking about DeCarlos Nicholson and the outward appearance that he's probably trending to Mississippi State at this point in time. Um, Zaquan Frazier is a guy that I feel very comfortable would join Kentucky's class if they do decide to take him. Um, and they're also pursuing some other avenues through the transfer portal as well. And then Jacoby Albert is probably slated for the defensive side of the ball unless he gets on campus and, uh, you know, just makes a larger impact at wide receiver, which I wouldn't entirely rule out to this point. So there's so many of these situations that are up in the air. I think it's impossible to say with certainty that um, Frazier is going to end up in this class. Because I think if they sign Nicholson, if they pull off the surprise with Igbenison, um, and they retain Afari, then do you still need this additional defense back? I'm not sure which direction they would they would go. Obviously, that's best case scenario um, and probably a shot in the dark, but a shot in the dark is still a possibility. So if that plays out that way, it'll be interesting to see what the coaching staff decides to do because they are being very selective with how they use those roster spots now that the transfer portal has become um, such a key way to build your roster and, and get some immediate impact players into the program. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I wanted to ask you about the transfer portal as a, uh, I guess, more so in a inside journalism way. How has that changed? Uh, your job because used to for so many years it was I mean I know the early signing period changed things obviously but you know many years ago not many years ago what four five years ago it was still just the February signing period you know every you knew everyone was going to be signing on this day for the I mean for the most part every single player you would know where they were going on that first Wednesday in February then the early signing period came along and it was you know most kids signed early but some waited and now you get the transfer portal where these kids don't really have to, I don't, I don't know if they can even sign anything um, tomorrow, but it, it is obviously affecting how UK or any school operates in terms of numbers. How much harder has it been to kind of maybe get a read on things for where UK stands with some players or maybe what UK's you know, end game is? I would imagine this has made it much more difficult. Yeah, it's made it a little bit more difficult, um, but I think it's added a lot of fun and enjoyment to the whole process because a lot of these players that are in the transfer portal, at least that Kentucky's looking to add, have some experience elsewhere. They've been able to build a little bit of a brand for themselves more so than an incoming high school athlete, um, you know, and they're more able to provide immediate contributions 
than most high school athletes. So it makes it more fun in that sense. It's almost like free agency in the NFL. Um, that's a little bit more true yeah. than a lot of people realize, but um, it's, it's a very interesting process. And it's kind of led to, I don't want to say the downfall, but it's certainly hurt high school recruiting because with so many transfer players looking for new opportunities, that obviously means there's fewer spots to go around for high school athletes. Um, because you've got players, you know, transferring up from the FCS level. Uh, you have group of five players maybe transferring to the power five level. Um, so it's, it's an infusion of players from everywhere and not just the high school, the junior college ranks anymore. So it certainly clouds just this overall roster um, building idea um, that teams have to deal with. I mean, we know who's in the portal today there could be players that come into the portal tomorrow or in the spring that Kentucky's interested in. So it's a, it's a fine line of how many roster spots you're going to leave open um, to be able to take advantage of certain situations versus possibly missing an opportunity because you don't want to go into the spring with three to five scholarships that you're not using um, and not seeing any players that either do not reciprocate the interest in your program or simply are not of the caliber that would come in and contribute immediately. Um, so it's definitely made things a lot more interesting. You just have to rely on the information that you're getting, um, you know, look at the depth charts and uh, have an idea of, of what teams need uh, because that kind of leads you to a path where you might know that they're looking for experience at certain positions rather than bringing in a high school athlete that they can develop over a couple of years. A couple more minutes here with Josh Edwards from catsballs.com. Josh, you know, for the most part, this class is solid. We mentioned Goodwin, we mentioned Nicholson. I suppose it's an Afari, of course, is another guy who maybe is wavering a little bit. But for the most part, it seems like everyone else is pretty firmly locked in. When you evaluate this class as a whole, because it's ranked number 12 right now nationally, fourth in the SEC, which is pretty crazy, just a few hours from signing day that it's still ranked this high. Just what's your – I'm just going to pretty much open the floor for you to say whatever you want. Just kind of what's your overall feeling about this class whenever you look at it on paper? Yeah, it's kind of difficult to evaluate it as a whole with so many situations up in the air, but um, a few players that – you know, I've been studying over the past couple of weeks in preparation for tomorrow, uh, you know, that I think are just fantastic players. Obviously, Barry and Brown uh, is a player that did everything for his high school football program. Um, he played offense. He played defense. He played special teams. He was a quarterback at times. He is – I cannot imagine that there's 10 wide receivers in the nation that are better than him. He is just so explosive. Uh, a guy that's able to make an impact every time the ball is in his hands. I think, if anything, he's probably a little bit underrated. Um, I love Quintel Jones, the recent defensive lineman that was added by Kentucky. There's obviously been some debate on, you know, if certain situations for him were actually committable opportunities elsewhere. I don't particularly care. Uh, Josh Allen didn't have a lot of committable opportunities when he decided to come to Kentucky. Um, Quintel Jones relative to his size, he's got a lot of juice off the snap. I mean, he's a guy that uh, you would think is just a 
you know, a run stopper, a plugger, but he's a guy that certainly has a little bit of pass rush juice to his game as well. Uh, Josh Caddis is, is underranked in my opinion. Um, he's known to be a blocking tight end, but if you watch his tape, he can make plays outside of his frame. He's got great catch range, um, you know, and is able, he's got soft hands. Like he's, he's everything that you look for at the position kind of, uh, as you mentioned in one of our chats, he's kind of like a Brendan Bates type guy where he can do a little bit of everything. Um, I think he's an underregged player at this point uh, in his, in his career, but as a whole, I think Kentucky has addressed um, a lot of needs, but at the same time, if they're unable to sign Keontae Goodwin tomorrow, then I have concerns about, the offensive tackle position, if they're unable to get some of these junior college players in the door at cornerback, then I have concerns about the cornerback position. Um, so while tomorrow is signing day and they're going to add a lot of players, I still think the possibility exists that by end of day tomorrow, we're still looking at this Kentucky roster and saying, you know, ideally they would be able to plug a few more holes before we get to the spring. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it. Uh, one more talking point I have is kind of just in general, maybe UK success in the South more than more than maybe what we're used to seeing. Um, you mentioned Miriam Brown. You got the Wade twins. I believe it was Destin Wade who won. So, so it sounds like it's different in Tennessee, whereas Kentucky only has one Mr. Football overall. It sounds like Tennessee does it by class. So, yeah, Barry and Brown, who was a uh, Mr. Football in Tennessee, and then Destin Wade was as well. Who, he put up crazy numbers, uh, particularly rushing this season. And then you also have Keaton Wade, who's an All-American. Um, so, you know, three of the best football players in Tennessee are coming here. And then assuming Jacoby Albert commits tomorrow, Josh, that's two guys in this class will be signing who are decommitments from Auburn because Andre Stewart was another guy. And then we found out yesterday that Deshaun Manning, who was actually an offensive lineman for uh, Auburn will be coming here. I feel like this really kind of speaks to maybe, I guess I'll ask you this. Do you maybe see a different image of Kentucky football being shaped in areas where traditionally it's maybe been pretty difficult for Kentucky to get kids who had, you know, several options from those areas of the country? I think it has, I think their national image has improved a little bit. I still think there's work to be done. I mean, we're kind of seeing that play out with coaching searches where, you know, just about every power five job that comes open, everybody automatically associates Mark Stoops with it as if it's going to be a clear and obvious upgrade over what he's got at Kentucky um, you know, and Kentucky's obviously trying to meet some of those demands where it's not as substantial of a gap between a Kentucky and an LSU moving forward. But, um, you know, from a recruiting perspective, I'd say just the coaching staff has done a great job of building relationships with not only high school recruits, but they build it with the families, they build it with the high schools and the coaches themselves to where everybody is kind of on board with their comfort level in Kentucky. Uh, and I think that's what has made it such an easy sell in the South because, um, you know, family is so important. So to see those kind of values in Lexington kind of supports what they're trying to do as a program. So when you see some of the actions that Kentucky staff takes, you know, from some of the social justice things that they did last year to, um, 
Chris Oates is still on scholarship, you know, that they've done a tremendous job about creating awareness and raising awareness of how bands can contribute to, uh, you know, funds to support him and his road back to uh, normal life. So you see their, I mean, you hear their words, but you're seeing that their actions are matching. So I think when you're able to take that message on the road and be able to not only tell some, some families what you're going to be able to do for their son, you're also showing it, you know, and I think that speaks louder than words. Um, so in a sense, I think Kentucky is just by being consistent, they are making a dent in the South. And obviously some things with John Summerall being gone, um, there's some bridges that are going to have to be mended in, in Alabama uh, because he was such a fantastic recruiter in that state. Uh, it's going to be difficult for Kentucky to bring anybody in and replicate the amount of respect that he's got in that state. But you're seeing Anwar Stewart and Chris Collins, you know, really breaking down some barriers in the state of Georgia and beyond. So um, I'm interested to see how some of these relatively new coaches continue to, to develop recruiting in the South specifically. Um, but I'm also very curious to see how certain positions are filled on the coaching staff moving forward, because they do have to make a determination on where they want to be recruiting in the future. Josh, that's good stuff. And I'm just realizing I forgot to ask you about one more um, very big target. Uh, I thought you were going to tell me you haven't been recording this whole time. No, I'm to kill you. <laughs> I've been recording, but uh, I didn't ask you about Dion Walker, who yeah. is probably uh, outside of Goodwin, one of the biggest announcements coming tomorrow. He's announcing literally. Yeah, CBS Sports HQ. This one sounds like it's kind of gone back and forth in the fall. It seemed like he was a, a Michigan lean, and then some things happened up there where it seemed like Kentucky was in front, and now you know he took an official visit to Georgia, took an official visit last weekend to Kentucky, but before he came down to UK, he took a midweek official to Michigan, which is kind of rare. And then it was reported by our Michigan site that he took an unofficial the night uh, to Michigan the night that he got back from his official to UK. This one seems like it's been all over the place. What's maybe your final reading uh, on the Deion Walker situation? And then we'll wrap it up after this. So Steve Klinkscale, um, former Kentucky assistant, has a great relationship with the player and his family. Uh, that's why they've been so consistent in his recruitment. I also feel like they've had an uphill battle of late. I think Eric Wolford has done a great job at Kentucky to not only build, uh, not only maintain, but cultivate a relationship with Walker and his family and to bring other coaches into the equation where he was feeling confident with not just his primary recruiter, uh, but the coaching staff, the players around him, um, everything. I think he gets a little bit more of a community environment at Lexington that Maybe he has lacked in his recruitment elsewhere. Um, you know, there was another point in his recruitment where I felt like it was swinging towards Michigan. And then diving into that a little bit more, it was misguided. You know, Kentucky never really lost its hold on that recruitment. So despite Michigan's best efforts, I'm still leaning towards him signing with UK tomorrow simply because um, – because they've had such a strong grasp on his recruitment throughout the entire process. I feel like there's something that's 
weighing heavily in their favor. Um, and I don't want to be misguided a second time. So I'm going to stick with my gut. I'm going to say he signs with Kentucky, but obviously the events uh, over the past week and a half have you feeling a little bit less confident, um, but I'm going to stick with the Wildcats. I think they, they get a pretty big commitment out of the state of Michigan. Josh, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, this is your second year doing a signing day show with us. This one seems like it will be much crazier than last year. But he's Josh Edwards. I'm Derek Terry. We thank you for listening to Kentucky Daily. Sean and I will be back tomorrow to wrap up uh, signing day. Whenever all the dust is settled, we'll be there. Uh, Kentucky basketball mailbag later in the week. But, again, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.